Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to this December 14th edition of The Rewind, your Tuesday news podcast. I'm your host, Emily Thompson. In today's episode, I speak with Rewind producers Perry Barrist and Chloe Courtney Bowl about their recent coverage of the past semester's COVID-19 data and policy changes. But first, we look back on the most important news of the semester and learn what it's like to run the Tufts Daily News section from Executive News Editor Alexander Janoff. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us on The Rewind. How are you? Doing all right. Great. So for the listeners who are not daily experts, um, this is Alex Janoff. He is the news executive and soon-to-be editor-in-chief. So can you give us a little rundown of your job as news executive? What do you do? What does that mean? Yeah, so as you know, news exec, I um, run the news section. It's the daily's largest section. It's a team of over 50 people. So my, you know, my day-to-day activities involve assigning editing shifts so our articles are fact-checked and flow nicely, assigning articles to different students and or different writers. We produce about three news articles a day and a typical issue of the daily. And so my job is to make sure we have those three articles ready to go every day that we produce and make sure that they're well fact-checked and, and well-written and ready to go. Yeah, thank you. How many articles has news put out? We put out about 118 articles. So when I say it's the biggest section, it's the biggest section, you know, people-wise. We also have the most content to put out. I'm anticipating we'll have between 130 and 140 by the end of the semester. Our most popular topics of those articles have been, you know, state and local politics and COVID, but we can talk about that a little bit later if you want. Yeah. Um. Well, so how long have you been at The Daily? Did you start when you were a freshman? Yeah. So I started <laughs> freshman fall as a news writer did the dirty work since then, have done quite a bit of editing. And in all honesty, I kind of miss the writing. Um, hope to go back to that after, you know, <laughs> next semester. <laughs> yeah. So you've been with The Daily a long time. What are some of your favorite articles to write or edit or just put out as the executive of the news section? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm majoring in computer science and political science, but, you know, my interest has always been political science since, you know, high school. So when it comes to writing, my freshman year, I wrote an article um, about Somerville lowering the youth voting age to 16. And that was really Mm. the first time I wrote an article about politics. Since then, it's been kind of my favorite thing to do. Last semester, I put out an article about this Tufts alum who's running for governor. Um, So I really like seeing how, you know, the Tufts University community can play into the local and and state and even national political atmosphere. Um, And so those are some of my favorite articles to edit as well. You know, Circle puts out a number of reports a semester. I think so far we've had four articles about Circle this semester. You know, I, I really enjoy editing those articles, and I really enjoy writing articles that really go into depth on, like, studies and research on local and state politics, and specifically youth voting and politics is something that's been super interesting to me and youth voter engagement. Okay, so you said Circle put out a bunch of research this semester that we covered. What are some of the other big news topics of the semester. In the past, the past year or so, COVID has really taken the most articles in a semester. This year, it took a little bit of a backseat to state and local politics. That's really because this semester, we had a huge local election in both Somerville and Medford. Um, So we put out 21 articles on state and local politics in some form, and many of those about those mayoral elections Mm -hmm. and municipal elections. Um, But after that was COVID and public health, so like university policy and stuff like that. Um, And then comes a lot more of the typical stuff. So we have 12 articles on education and grad schools and their research, another 12 on student organizations in TCU Senate. 
And from there, it keeps going down. So after that, it's pretty typical. But the thing to point out here is the fact that politics really took a front in our reporting this semester. Yeah, thank you. So with this semester, correct me if I'm wrong, was also the start of the science section it was. within the news. Can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah, so, out? Yeah. so I've, I've worked with Alex Averos, <laughs> who is the science editor, for about a year now. We worked on the COVID dashboard together last spring. Um, and he started up this science section, which is meant to be like a subsection of news, mm-hmm. focusing mainly on covering research that Tufts and Tufts grad schools and Tufts researchers puts out, but also information that pertains to our readers, Tufts students in the community. So I think Alex saw a bit of a hole in our coverage, and he tried to fill that with science. Will science continue being a part of the news section next semester? Yeah, I, th- I think science was a great addition to the daily's coverage, and I think that it's something that we should really continue into the future. The logistics of how it works and how it fits into you know news content might look a little different, but I think we're going to keep science around as long as Alex Averos is willing to <laughs> you know lead it. Great, thank you. We've talked a lot about like things that were reported on this semester on campus, and obviously it's been a strange semester coming back from COVID, still dealing with COVID trying to live life as college students. So can you talk a little bit about the role of student journalism during this time on campus? I think the role of a newspaper in any circumstance, especially during COVID, is to report all the time, no matter what. I think everyone did a really good job continuing that in the face of what they might be going through personally. Um, This semester, things started to open up a little bit. So you sort of, you know, as students, I guess you had to sort of, you know, decide what was your comfort level with COVID regarding socializing or sitting in, you know, restaurants or or that sort of stuff. And at the same time, you had to, you know, do your job of reporting that you're not your story, but, you know, the stories that you're assigned to the to the community. Um, So I think that, you know, in the face of that anxiety that you might have personally, um, I think that our team did a really good job pushing through that and, and still providing really, really quality journalism. It's something that I'm really proud of and something that I'm really happy that we were able to do because the role of the newspaper is is never ending. Mm-hmm. There's really no interruption to our coverage. You said that you had, I would love to hear the five yeah. most read So articles. again, reflects sort of our trends from the yeah. semester of you know politics, but also some other things were in there. Most clicked article was the article about Ayanna Presley's endorsements mm-hmm. in the Somerville elections. Oh, interesting. After that was the reaction to the dining workers and their distinction award that tom wrote Mm -hmm. the results of the mayoral preliminary race were third followed by a tish live event featuring those somerville mayoral candidates and uh laundry burglary in (laughs) harleston (laughs) rounding out the top five this is from november 1st to november 30th okay so can you talk a little bit about how the news section has grown this semester yeah, so I think it's grown both, you know, in numbers and in terms of, you know, depth. The news section this semester was about 50 people strong. Nearly half of them were freshmen. So that says a few things. One, it means that, you know, the news section is getting increasingly popular and the daily is getting increasingly more popular for people to join. But it also means that because about half of our section are first years, it means that it's going to continue to be a young, healthy section for the future. By having a larger section, then you get a few things. You get, you know, A, more writers at your disposal. So, you know, you don't have to worry about burnout if writers are writing too much. But B, I think this is more important, with more writers, you also have more perspectives, more people pitching articles. With 50-some writers, you have 50 people who each have different experiences on campus who are able to pitch ideas for articles. That's much better than having 19 or 20. So we get much more well-rounded coverage that way, which improves the quality of the daily for, you know, 
for the future. Obviously, a big part of reporting these stories is going back and forth with the administration. Can you talk a little bit about what that entails and how you deal with that? Yeah, so I think it's really important for you know any newspaper to have a great relationship with not just administration, but really all of our sources. Um, so I spent the, the better part of the first half of the semester cultivating a pretty positive relationship with the Tufts administration through uh, the Tufts and media relations team and Patrick Collins. And I think that, you know, they're very receptive to our questions. And, you know, I, I think that it creates better quality journalism, both for us and for them. We're going to have better quality journalism because our sources are going to be less averse to talking to us in person or over email or the phone. And, you know, by contacting all those sources, we produce more fair articles that get everyone's perspective and that way we can actually have a more well-rounded article. Yes, it's important to cultivate a positive relationship with administration, but that's only one of many positive relationships you need to have in order to have a good newspaper. People always see journalists as sort of like the enemy if you're in like a political position mm -hmm. or administrative position, but I really think we need to sort of challenge that notion and have a positive relationship between the two because it really is a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Okay, so... Your time at News is coming to an end. What are your reflections of your time in this section and your time as the executive? It's been a very difficult job, but it's been really, really rewarding. And I know almost anyone is going to say that and it's going to sound like they're lying. But I <laughs> promise you, it has been one of the most rewarding experiences I've had. I've learned a lot from it. You're now staring down another semester as editor-in-chief. What are, what are your hopes for that? Yeah, so, you know, the big difference between news exec and editor-in-chief is one's a very hands-on role, mm -hmm. one's a very hands-off role. You know, the editor-in-chief position, you're sort of managing the entire paper, mm -hmm. but you also have execs that sort of do the dirty work for you. Um, this semester, I had to do the dirty work. Next semester, I'm going to know I have three articles from news, one or two from science, etc., enough to build a paper every day. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's going to be while a big step forward in, you know, you know, my engagement with the daily, I also think I'm going to have a healthier work-life balance, which I think yeah. is, is a beneficial thing for me after this semester. Thank you so much for joining us on The Rewind, Alex. Have a nice night. In the news this week. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu signed an ordinance requiring the city to divest $65 million from companies that profit off fossil fuels by the end of 2025. Fossil fuel divestment has been a big conversation at Tufts this year. The university divested from its direct investments in 120 coal and tar sands company and committed to investing in environmentally conscious, positive impact funds, but still has indirect investments in fossil fuel industries. Student activists are pressuring the university to fully divest its endowment from these industries. And this latest news from the city of Boston points to the feasibility of full divestment. The Supreme Court ruled that abortion providers can challenge a Texas law that bans abortion after six weeks, but that in the meantime, the law can stay in effect. The law contradicts the precedent of Roe v. Wade and criminalizes abortion at a point in pregnancy when many people do not yet know they are pregnant. Although pro-choice advocates will continue to challenge the law in lower courts, the ruling ensures that access to abortion in Texas will continue to be severely restricted until a more permanent decision is reached. The CDC expanded its recommendations of who should receive a COVID-19 booster shot to include 16 and 17-year-olds. 
The Dean of Student Affairs Office released its annual report detailing community standards violations. The document disclosed 3,994 allegations of overall misconduct during the 2020-2021 academic year. This number represents a sharp increase over the previous years, in part due to many reported violations of Tufts COVID-19 policies. In total, 51.5% of reported campus conduct violations were attributed to alleged pandemic-related noncompliances. The Daily reported that widespread disparities in compensation and workload exist among undergraduate teaching assistants in the School of Arts and Sciences and Engineering. Some undergraduate TAs are compensated through semester hour units, while others are compensated through pay stipends and others through hourly pay. Next up, the coronavirus pandemic remained an ever-present reality on Tufts campuses this semester, despite a vaccine mandate and loosened restrictions for the student body. For more information on the semester's COVID-19 data, I spoke with Rewind producers Perry Barrist and Chloe Courtney Bull. Hi, Chloe and Perry. Thank you so much for joining us on the Rewind. Um, how are you guys? I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. <laughs> Yay! So you guys are on today. You have been reporting on public health this semester, correct? That's right. Yeah. So reflecting back on this past semester, everything that you've reported on, can you talk a little bit about what stood out COVID-wise? Yeah. So we've been taking a look at COVID-19 data from this semester, and we've learned some really interesting stats. First of all, Tufts across its Medford, Boston, and Grafton campuses recorded 463 cases of COVID-19 this semester, which amounts to approximately 26 per week. Of these cases, about 321 were on the Medford campus, 32 on the Grafton campus, and 105 on the Boston campus, which leaves about five cases which were not associated with any particular campus. And those numbers are as of December 11th. So these numbers represent about a 13% decrease in the number of cases on campus compared to last spring, spring 2021, when the university reported 530 cases across all three campuses. And even though there were fewer cases this semester compared with last semester, we were still pretty surprised to see numbers that are this high, especially because it feels a lot like students have been able to move past the pandemic, at least to some extent. Yeah, definitely. So why do you think with all of these cases, there was less restrictions this semester compared to the last? I would say that the biggest difference is probably that because of vaccine mandates on campus, students may have felt more comfortable attending social gatherings or concerts that were happening off campus. And I think it's important to keep in mind that because we had a vaccine mandate, about 96% of these cases were breakthrough infections. And so while that means that the chances of symptoms and hospitalizations might be lower, students were still pretty vulnerable. And this, I would also say, despite not being a medical professional, is largely attributed to the Delta variant being really prominent in the country and on campus this semester. Yeah, thank you. And so you also recently reported on the number of students identified as close contacts this semester. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so 
These are numbers we got from Christopher Sidore, who's the Vice President for Information Technology and Chief Information Officer at Tufts. He told us that approximately 1,720 students were reported as close contacts, which is quite a lot. That was a, a number that surprised me because Tufts undergraduate population is about 5,500. We have about 12,000 students total across our undergraduate and graduate campuses. So 1,700-ish close contacts amounts to almost 15%, which seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so reflecting on this semester, when did we see the biggest peaks and what changed when we saw those peaks? The biggest peak of this semester was initially when students came to campus, we saw a major increase in cases and that was sort of in line with university policies. Around early mid-September, the university increased testing frequency from once a week to twice a week for undergraduates on the Medford campus. And so I think that represented the biggest spike. And following that, the other major date would have been returned from Thanksgiving break. Obviously, we had very different Thanksgiving procedures this year compared to last year. And so we've definitely been noticing a peak in the last week or two following that Thanksgiving break. That rise in cases after Thanksgiving break was pretty significant. We saw 17 students in isolation prior to uh, students departing for Thanksgiving break. And shortly after, the number of students in isolation rose to 48, which is about a tripling. So that's that's a significant increase, even though it's not up to the, the 90s numbers that we were seeing in September. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then how do our peaks compare to maybe the trends we see in our surrounding communities of Somerville and Medford? Yeah. So it's hard to compare exactly because the cities are much larger and not everyone's getting tested. But since November 28th, Medford has reported 156 new cases. And in the past 10 days, Somerville has reported 256 new cases. And that represents about a 1.56% positivity rate in Somerville, which is higher than Tufts positivity rates, which tend to be around like the 0.2.3% positivity rate. Yeah, right now, um, Tufts' current seven-day positivity rate is 0.23%, which is significantly lower than its host communities. Oh, wow. With these um, recent peaks, um, did the university respond by imposing any more restrictions or guidance to students? Yeah, so in addition to the increase in testing frequency that Perry was talking about, Tufts also decided to add a third modular isolation unit in early October, which they said was a direct response to the uptick in cases at the beginning of the semester. And that's significant because they had removed some mods at the end of last year, which suggests like that the university didn't expect to need as much isolation housing, but they added another mod. They added 44 more beds. And fortunately, since then, Tufts has not had as high of a, of a rate of students in isolation as they did at that very first point. But the third mod has remained. I was just going to add yeah. that I think in response to most of this, the university's main message to students has been get a COVID-19 booster shot and get a flu shot because we have also been seeing a lot of flu and other respiratory diseases on campus. So I think while the university provided a lot of guidelines in terms of getting those vaccines, other than that, there was very little communication to students about how to handle the spread of cases or quarantining this semester. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about booster shots. Did 
The school commit to requiring booster shots in the future for students? According to Dr. Michael Jordan, who is Tufts Infection Control Health Director, the university is still considering whether or not to require booster shots for the Tufts community. They are monitoring CDC guidance. Um, Jordan did say that a booster is a really important way to protect yourself and the people you're surrounded by from COVID. Where can people get a booster shot on Tufts campus? So you can go to coronavirus.tufts.edu and check out different vaccine booster clinic times, and you can register on that website for an appointment. Yeah, thank you. And then have you heard anything recently from the university on the recent Omicron variant and how they plan to address this and what CDC guidelines are on the new variant? I think that's the question everyone's asking right now. And I think this is tough because no one seems to know how to respond. And there are a lot of studies being done to find out if Omicron cases are more severe or transmit more quickly like Delta variant did. So I think there are a lot of unknowns here, which is why the university hasn't really said much. According to Jordan, he expected the university to not make many changes to the COVID-19 policies for next semester. But of course, they will be reevaluating based on health data and what we find out about Omicron. But right now, we don't know that much. Those policies being continued masking indoors, twice weekly pooled testing, the, the things that we've been experiencing all semester long. Yeah, thank you. Where are you both getting this data from to report on? Yeah, so a lot of the data that is coming from this article we're, we're referencing that came out in the Daily today is from Tufts administrators, but we also took a look at the Tufts COVID dashboard. The Tufts COVID dashboard reports a lot of really important and interesting metrics. Uh, one slight drawback is that they, they report in seven-day batches, so mm. it's a little bit hard to discern how many positive tests are reported in any one given day, uh, unless you're constantly monitoring the site to monitor day-by-day -day changes. So thank you guys both for joining us on The Rewind. It's so great to have you here. Um, have a nice day. Yeah, thank you so much, Emily. And thank you for being a wonderful host for our podcast this oh, semester. Thank yes. you for being the best producers. Aww. Coming up this week. Wednesday, December 15th is a reading period for undergraduate students. There will be no classes. Final exams begin on December 16th and end on December 23rd. That's it for this December 14th edition of The Rewind. The Rewind is brought to you by the Tufts Daily. Our producers are Perry Barrist and Chloe Courtney Bowl. Audio editing by Michael Friedman, Aaron Klein, and Emily Walker. Hannah Harris is the executive audio editor. I'm your host, Emily Thompson. Thank you for listening.